As many of you know, I spend quite a bit of my ministry time with uh, working with children and with youth, with families, and so I often am thinking about what I thought about when I was their age. And this week, as I was thinking about this sermon, you know, our word for the day is believe. I was thinking about some of the things that I believed as a child that I found out to not be true. Parents, don't get nervous. We're not going into some subject area that we shouldn't go into right now. Anyway, one of those things was when I first looked at the ocean, I remember our family went to Fort Lauderdale. It was hot. And we were at the ocean, and I looked out as a four-year-old or a three-year-old. I forget how old I was. But in any case, I thought that the water was boiling because the sun was shining off. It looked orange. It looked hot. And I think probably for about 24 hours, I never went in the water. Now, I'm not sure what my mind was doing with all the people who were in the water, splashing each other, having a good time, not boiling. But I thought, nah, not me. Another one was I always believed that if when I grew up, I asked my mom if it was an option for me to become an animal. And my animal of choice was monkey. And she had to kind of let me down and say, you know, uh, that's not possible. So I became a pastor instead. Another thing that I I realized I believe was that I believe that my parents were never really kids. They were just kind of a scrunched version of themselves, kind of, you know, like this. (laughs) They showed me some pictures of them as a child, and I realized that was wrong. Now, I've had other people tell me, hey, they believe that their teacher slept at school and never went to the bathroom. And then I've had other people tell me, and I believe this for a while too, that if you swallowed a watermelon seed by accident, you would sprout one. One way for guys to get pregnant, I don't know. So there's all kinds of things that we believe. And, you know, we know that believing in something has far more impact on us than we realize. Belief directly affects our values, our actions, We operate on what we believe. This conviction helps us to push through the most challenging of circumstances. So this morning, we're going to take a look at a couple of verses from the first chapter of John. We're going to talk about a story of the shepherds. And then we're going to declare together some words from the Psalms. And in these words and in this story, we're going to discover what it is to not believe, what it is to believe, and some ingredients for healthy believing in our living. So if you want, take your Bible, or you can look up here, John chapter 1, and we're going to look at four four or five verses this morning from this uh, unbelievable section, uh, how well it's articulated and stated. And many years ago, if you were with us, you remember we memorized this. Uh, We work through this and many other verses around it. Today we're going to look from 10 to 14. He was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. 
And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Lord, may these words uh, be words today that come from you. Speak to us in our own walk and in our own journey. Thank you that we can sit together and hear your voice. We listen now. Your name. Amen. Now, the first 18 verses of John are profound, as I mentioned, and from them could come many sermons. So I would invite you, if you've never read all of those 18 verses in one setting, to do that, to read all 18 in the first chapter, and then to read it again, and then to read it again. And perhaps, as we've talked about, even memorize that, to get these in our heart and being, because they talk so much about who Jesus is and what he came to do. And I want to start with verse 14 in that. And it says, And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Some versions say God moved into the neighborhood. He lived among us. And you know, nobody knows our neighborhood like we know our neighborhood. I was counting up how many neighborhoods I've lived in in my life. Nine neighborhoods. And in Santa Barbara, I've lived in three. West Side, Mesa, Carpinteria. And they're all different. And as I travel around the city, as I talk to other youth leaders and children's leaders serving in different churches in different neighborhoods, we all have different stories. And we try to compare, but we can't because every neighborhood is different. And only you know your neighborhood. And God knows your neighborhood. Because he moved in. He lived among us. And John says he lived here and those who saw him and were looking saw his glory. Verse 10 reminds us that he was in the world and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. Jesus was in his own home. And the people didn't even know him. No, in the Greek, means to acknowledge him. I was thinking about, as I think about what it means to be acknowledged. I think everybody sitting in this room has had a moment where you felt invisible. And you didn't want to be invisible. You were in a group. You were at a party. You were at a a meeting. And you just felt like nobody was acknowledging your presence. Hopefully that doesn't happen too often. But I've had those moments We like to be acknowledged, not, you know, to inflate our pride, but we want to know somebody knows us, right? And I think about all the times when, you know, you get to greet people, you're walking down, you shake a hand, you give a high five, you give a fist bump, and, you know, might be a a cool person who walks by me from the high school group, and they, you know, they, they like me, but, you know, they give me the head bob. Get acknowledged. That's all it takes. Just give me a little, give me a wink. And, of course, there are the times when we have acknowledged somebody else and they didn't acknowledge us back and we just scratched our head instead, right? The world did not acknowledge Jesus. And the world had experienced his miracles. They had seen his glory. They saw big things, and yet they rejected and disbelieved. And, you know, so many would say, well, if God would just do a miracle... Or if God would just show me this, then I would believe. And I want to believe that. 
But when you look throughout the Bible, people saw incredible things. The Israelites had escaped Egypt, crossed through the Red Sea, the Egyptian army at their tail, and they were rescued. And then not too long after that, what were they doing? Making idols because they didn't believe God would rescue them. And I'd like to think, oh, I would have totally believed in God. All it would take was one of those miracles, and then they realize, maybe not. Believing is never as easy as we think it is. And so our belief should be much more than miracles and emotions. And there is an impact of what we think is not believing. Because the reality is we always believe in something. Even if we say, I don't believe in anything, we believe that we don't believe anything. And so it begs rule number two, that if we, rule number one is we always believe in something. And rule number two, if we say we don't believe in something, please see rule number one. We're all believing. We're choosing to believe in something. We cannot escape that. And when we start believing in ourselves, our lack of trust of others breeds a pride that's only here. And we know that's a destructive path. But verse 12 turns the corner for us. It starts with the word, but. To all who received him, all who believed in him, he gave the power to become the children of God. Let earth receive her king. Sing those words every Christmas. And I've often as thought as I read these verses, wow, what does it mean to receive my king? To acknowledge he is king. And John uses the word believe many times throughout his gospel. It means to accept as true, to trust in, to confide in, to rest in. And we become children of God. Back to that children thing. I was thinking about when I was a child, what it felt like to just know my mom and dad were taking care of things. I've talked to many children and youth over the years about, hey, what are you doing over Christmas break? And some have said, even up through high school, which I love it when I hear this. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly what. I just know we're leaving on the 27th and I'm going to get in the car. Yes. I miss those days. Somebody do that for me. But I think that's being a child, right? That we could, and I know some of us grew up in less than healthy environments, but I hope you all had those moments where somebody just lavished on you something and you just went. And you were loved and you rested and you trusted and you confided. That's believing. That's trusting. That's receiving our king. And doing this brings rest. It's not something that we could have made up or fabricated. We trust in our loving and just God. And over the last few weeks, I've had the opportunity to teach the shepherd story uh, to many different groups. And I think about every time I come to the stories of Christmas, right? How many times have we heard these stories? Wow, if we were to do a count of, you know, just start going around, how many times have you heard the shepherd's story, would you calculate? Thousands, thousands of times. And we almost become inoculated, don't we? Because we go, okay, I know what's going to happen. We, we know exactly. So I want us to jump back into that for a few moments, we have a lot of children in here. I hope you're listening right now, too, because this is for all of us. But to jump back in and imagine ourselves in that place and to look at that story 
through the lens of belief and what that meant. So we come to these shepherds and we see that they were shepherds. Now, we don't often think about what a shepherd is, but back then a shepherd was considered low, as low as you could go in the occupational field. That was a job for people that couldn't get any other job, be a shepherd. Okay, could do that. So they were made fun of, they were considered lowly, and they sat with sheep. And the Bible in this passage, in the Christmas passage that we often read, reminds us they were living in tents and booths. They had no home. They lived out in the field. In 2015, I went with a group from our church uh, to where they think possibly the shepherds were, minus the buildings. Uh, But imagine... Imagine, now let's go back, let's pretend we're hearing this story for the first time. You're shepherds, you're sitting out in the fields, it's dark, it's cold, there's a fire burning. Uh, You're sitting around that fire to keep warm. Sheep are making noises, you're checking your phones and watching YouTube videos. No, no, they weren't doing that. They were telling stories, dozing off. And then we know what happens next. I copied this out of their shine-on Bible. We use this with our kids on Sunday mornings all the time. Thus, the artistic crease down the middle. Uh, But it just is a great, colorful picture to take us into the story. Suddenly, it says an angel just was standing there. And I I noticed this time it does say standing. And so maybe that angel is just plop right down on the ground. Sometimes I want to put the angel like way up there. You know, it's better for dramatic feel, Right. But the angel was right there, and it says the glory of God shone around them. And in the old King James Version that I memorized, and they were sore afraid. Uh, it's easy for us to look at this story and forget that this was brand new to these shepherds. That a big light, that an angel standing in front of them was not something they would have ever experienced. It's easy for us to think that everybody in the Bible, oh, angels, yeah, you know, okay, miracles, sure, we know that. This was brand new. And so that angel quickly calms them down. I don't know how many shepherds were there. Don't be afraid, for I bring you good news. Today, in the city of David, a Savior, a Messiah has been born. Go visit. And then the shepherds are still trying to take in that news. And then we see a multitude of angels. Now, I tried to look around and find out what, what, what number is multitude. Well, let's just go with a couple of hundred or thousands, whatever, right? Because all of a sudden, it's, ah, you know, and the lights are huge. And I don't know where they all were, if they did it in surround sound or if it was way up there or way over there. But again, the shepherds were in disbelief of what was happening to them. So imagine, after those angels leave, the conversation of the shepherds. Would they have not said, do you believe what just happened? Are we, have we been out here too long? Are these sheep making us crazy? What's going on? But there was, there were witnesses. They didn't have a phone to take a picture or a selfie or uh, that would have been cool, huh? Angels, hey, all right. They didn't have that. They had only themselves. And then I love what happens next because they believed so much that they left their flock and went. Now, who got, who got to stay with the flock? Or did they just say, well, hey, if angels are going to come visit us, God's going to take care of this flock. Nobody else wants to stay back here. We want to go visit a king. 
And so they go. And they get there. Now imagine Joseph and Mary's surprise. You have this cute little baby wrapped in a manger, trying to protect it. And some grungy old or young shepherds show up at your place. Hey, uh, don't know how to tell you about this, but... That would have been a surprise, too. That would have been a moment for Mary and Joseph to go, do you believe this? What is going on? We knew about this, but we never expected this. And so the the shepherds come, they worship the Lord, they leave, and the Bible tells us that they left and they were praising God, they were glorifying God. They believed. And so as we close today... A few things that I believe these these passages are saying to us. And we learned this from the shepherds. I loved how this worked. I've never thought about this story and the incredible belief that the shepherds... I always thought about the dramatic moment. But the fact that their belief was so put to action. We learn from them that we must be people like the shepherds who, one, seek to know God. I don't know what they did to seek to know God previous to this, but there was something in them that said, we know about this. God placed that within them. And God calls us to seek to know him, to be lifelong learners. And that if we're going to believe and we're going to trust, we need to do that. Two, believe in the unbelievable. I hope by now in your life you've had a few things that have just been absolutely unbelievable that God has done in your life. It could be small, it could be big. But I hope today maybe God will remind you of some of those unbelievable moments that happened to you. Because as we walk with God, we will see some unbelievable times. Maybe not the biggest dramatic things, but when we recognize them, they're there. And that we would turn our believing into action as the shepherds did. They didn't just believe, oh, angels, okay, we'll sit out here for a while. No, they went. And how they found that manger, I don't know. But God led them there and they turned their believing into action. We too must do that. It's not enough for us to just believe in prayer, believe in the reading the word, believe in the church, believe in loving others. We must do it as well. And then finally, letting our belief bring joy. We need a lot of joy in these days in our world. Joy is that attitude of hope. It's that attitude of expectancy. And when we believe, when we truly believe that Jesus is the King of all kings, Lord of all lords, no matter what the world brings to us, we have joy because we expect what God will do. So by now I hope that you have, along with I, me, concluded that believing is not as easy as we sometimes make it to be. One of my favorite quotes, and I posted it next to the door in my office to keep me on my toes. Oswald Chambers said, we would rather work for him than believe in him. And I think that's so true. It's easy to check off the list of things that we do for God. But do we truly believe? And then C.S. Lewis brings it home with this quote says, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It's easy to say you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you are merely using it to cord a box. 
But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you trusted it? Only a real risk tests the reality of a belief. So our big question as we close today, when we say, I believe in Jesus, are we really ready to let that believing guide us in all of life and all that life will bring us? Psalm chapter 9 gives us a great declaration and reminds us of this great and this mighty God in whom we believe. So I want us to stand and enthusiastically read these words from Psalm 9 and let them be our call to belief. Let's read together. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who save you. You, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Do you believe that this morning? Do we believe that? We're going to close with a time of silence, standing. And then we're going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which I have found to be one of the most incredibly theologically deep Christmas carol that we sing. Our man, Charles Wesley, wrote some great words. And so today, I would love for you to sing that again for the first time, looking at the words and seeing how they fit with all that we've been talking about this morning and declare our praise to the Lord. Let's take a few moments. Let God guide us in the areas where we need to believe. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.